Oh, no, don't worry. We'll divorce in a fury, fiery blaze. It's going to be horrendous. Don't look it in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) Our relationship beast. We can't look it in the eye. It's worked quite well for, what, five years, four years of us just pretending that it doesn't Doesn't exist. exist. (laughs) It's just just this ominous thing in the corner of our mind. Our relationship is that that feeling when you see something in the corner of your eye, but when you go to look, it's not there. Yes. We're that ominous shadow that is our relationship. And when we see it, we'll die. Yeah. They're the little blobs that wander across your field of vision sometimes. (laughs) Do you ever get those? Yeah. That's like, isn't that like dying brain cells or something? I heard it was like from drinking too much wine. Is that true? I wonder what it is. Because there's those different stories. I heard it was your brain cells dying. That might be something that I was told when I was seven and just held on to it like it was gospel since. I don't know. Wow. You had some fucked up children's stories. Yeah, I grew up in a surgeon's household, so I think shit like that was relatively normal. Fair enough. Or is it just like, is it bits of shit? Not bits of, not literal shit. I'm not making references to poo. Little bits of like stuff that's in your eye just floating across like an iceberg across the Titanic of your eye. I have no idea what that was going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's here we are. That's what we're doing. And that's yes. what it is. It's all good. That's what it is. That's what we've decided it is. Yeah, it's fine. It's the it's the rodents that live in the cavities of your body's shit floating across your retinas. I'm so glad that we understand each other. Just don't look it in the don't eye. Look at it. Don't look at it. Have you read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Uh, yes. There's somebody else's problem field. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's really weird you say that. This is what makes me feel that we're connected on a like a really like subterranean level. Not subterranean. Psychic? No. One that's like subconscious. That's the one. <laughs> bowel um, level. Bowel. Le- <laughs> we're at colon base. Um, <laughs> the colon of our friendship. I picked up a book off the street like two days ago, which was um, the restaurant at the end of the universe. I hope you screamed, walked around it in a giant circle, and then just ran. <laughs> oh my god, our friendship is that feeling when you turn off the light and you have to run to your bed because something's definitely going to get you. <laughs> I'm cool with that. That's nice. That's warmed my soul. <laughs> <laughs> it's that feeling when you're lying in bed and you remember that episode of Luther where the man crawls out from under the bed and then you're worried about what's under your bed. That's our friendship. I've never watched that episode, but there is a similar episode in Hannibal. So I'm going to say it's the same episode. It's the archetypal serial killer hiding under the bed trope to kill only ever women. Oh, this one was a female and she had a um, oh, mental like illness that meant that she thought she was convinced she was dead. But she also had a skin condition, which basically meant her skin fell off. So when he went to hold her hand, her hand came off like a glove. Oh, my God. So we watch very different TV. I'm horrified and intrigued all at the same time. Watch the Hannibal series. It's fucking amazing. And also, weirdly, all the cannibalism makes me so hungry. Uh, 
insult because if our opening conversation didn't involve cannibalism, then what would we have left? <laughs> I'm really fascinated by the idea of someone who thinks they're dead. And if your skin just came off that way, I mean, you would, mm. wouldn't you? Yeah, no, um, I think it was the, I don't know which condition came first, but it's a really fascinating um, disorder. And I kind of wish I did more research into it because there is, it's a very rare phenomenon, this idea that you're convinced and absolutely convinced that you have passed on. So it's real? It's a real thing, yeah. It's an amazing series where they do look into some really incredible uh, mental health stuff where it's looking into just not the traditional serial killer of like, I'm going to kill all the women, because you know who... Statistically, um, white men are most likely to be serial killers and women are most likely to be victims. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's right. Yeah, But it looks right. into variations. And also there is a nice presence of a couple of female serial killers, which is something that I do like because I like, I, like, I like equality in my um, violence. That's what I like. I like it too. I also feel like given the high level of actual prevalence of violence from white men against women, I don't need to see it on my TV screen. So maybe when it swings the other way, it's like a little a little fictional antidote. Mm. A little, not a bitch slap because it's not that big, but it's like just pulling on a tiny baby hair. Just a baby hair? Like little peach fuzz that's around your cheek? Yeah. 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 If you just got a tweezer and a bit of peach fuzz and just went... So I don't have like a proper moustache. I have a moustache. It was really bad when I was growing up. It was like thick and black, but it's faded to blonde as I've gotten older. Mm. But I've got a weird kind of handlebar bit here. You had the whisker bit. Yeah, that's really coming in thick. Basically, over the last year, I have aged more than I have ever aged in my life. Yes, yes, that's what happens. Yes, how's that top lip sweat? Yes, I sweat on my upper lip now. And this literally happened in the last week. Yeah. It's fucking vile. Dear listeners, Lolo sent me a voicemail after the episode where we talk about upper lip sweat. <laughs> Just be like, you witchy crystal bitch. <laughs> Why am I sweating on my face? <laughs> put a hex on me I know you did I know you did and then I've got this like weird fuzz my hearing's going but that's something else that's just me and my body too uh no it's because I was deaf as a child really I feel like I've learned so much about your childhood accidentally in the past five minutes yeah I was essentially deaf in one ear up until the age of eight I had two operations which meant that I basically people thought I was autistic for most of my childhood and then they were like oh no she just can't hear you (laughs) wow okay Welcome to Ginsol because <laughs> effort. <laughs> uh, you keep talking because there's a street cleaner outside my door. <laughs> oh no, tell us about the street cleaner. Uh, I can just hear the noise. It's pretty cool. So I have a car park right outside my front door, which doesn't sound cool, but is we have some great trashy parties there. And the council sends around one of those little trucks with the brushes on the front, squirts water everywhere and cleans it. Wow. Do you know what? I love the level of entertainment that is desired in lockdown. We're like, we're like huge stages, crystal chandeliers. But now we're like, it's got some fuzzy things on the bottom of the wheels and it goes past our house on a Thursday. (laughs) It's Wednesday. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But also it can't normally come because I've never noticed it before in the recording. And surely I would have. your side is always a shit ton of noises I don't understand why you live in the like epitome of a disco in your house I don't I just have a dog (laughs) and street cleaners and always window open and let's not mention the time you just don't remember to plug your headphones in so it's just you (laughs) 
I've only done it once and we used it for lols, okay? <laughs> Stop reveling in one of the few times I've fucked up. I know what you're doing, Lolo Brow. <laughs> I'm going to because it's just, it masks how terrible I am. Anyway, listeners. Ginsel! <laughs> Wait, I've got to. Start to. This episode five times. <laughs> This is what happens when we're on a clock. Ginsold! Because the eighth circle of hell is not being allowed to do the thing that you love, but having to talk about it constantly. Oh, that's awful. I know. I'm very Catholic. Yes, I enjoyed it. It's not strictly true, obviously, because I I like doing this, but it just (laughs) was a good excuse to write a very Catholic insult. (laughs) Insult! Ginsold! (laughs) What I liked was your tone of voice where it was like, I love doing this I like it don't take it away from me it's the only attention I get dear listeners um, as you can tell from the tones of our voices we are super excited to bring you episode 10 we are on double digits this means we're officially a podcast I don't know this means we're officially a thing we officially exist this is absolutely remarkable and to celebrate 10 glorious episodes we have both some exciting news and a very exciting episode for you lined up shall we do exciting news first we could do exciting news well you hopefully will already know and are clutching your tickets in your hot sweaty hands and we will be doing a gin salt live on the 20th of august at the royal Vauxhall tavern which is also two days before my birthday Right. Lolo's made an excellent face that none of you can see because this is a audio recording. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Ten episodes. We finally figured it out. Uh, Listen, it took me a really long time to think of the right words to say then. (laughs) I'm forgetting you're the 22nd. Yeah. Are you 22nd? Yes. Why? Yes. Did you have to get your diary out to look at Yes. Shut up. Okay. I'm putting your birthday in my diary because I'm worried that I'll forget. Oh, all of yours are already in a calendar that I made. We get it. You're better than us. (laughs) That I paid somebody else to do for me. (laughs) Just to be clear. Anyway, so yes, really exciting. We're going to finally do a live. It's something that we've been wanting to do and thought it'd be a really interesting time. As you are aware, performance restrictions are limited. However, because of the nature of what a podcast is, it means that we can still have access to an audience like yourselves. Nice. So we don't know what the sales are at this moment. And do you know what we like? Ambiguity. That's what this is, if not an ambiguous <laughs> podcast and not ubiquitous. Look at me nail that. Fuck yeah. Eh, we're like staring into the crystal ball of the future. It'd be really sad if we yeah. released this and we'd sold one ticket. <laughs> we haven't even sold the early birds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? Oh, no. Anyone? Uh, gin salt, because I cannot wait to ask you all in a crowded room whether you feel that you're a tit ferret, an ass mink, a vagina weasel, or a scrotum stoat. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we have decided to return to one of the topics we covered on our live. We're going to take it from a new angle. So, if you listen to that, then don't fast forward. Don't fast forward to the next episode. It doesn't exist yet. Don't fast forward because. I mean, let's be real. It's lockdown, so you've forgotten everything we said anyway. We are going to discuss alter egos, or I like to call my burlesque me, uh, your superhero self, or burlesque persona, how we came up with Tempest Rose and Lolo Brow, and, and who they are, and who they are as part of us, and what the fuck they are. And also, since it's episode 10, we thought it'd be really great for you to actually get to know us a little bit. I realised we'd never really introduced ourselves, ever. No, we just kind of shouted into the microphone and then went, listen listen 
Listen, we just assumed everybody knew our existence. Yeah, sounds about right. That sounds about right. Ginsult, the ego. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it'd be really nice for like, maybe we could try, try either A, getting to know each other, getting to know you, getting to know all about poo. Oh my God. (laughs) Nailed it. Um, so we've discussed alter egos until we've died as but as performers we get asked consistently about our stage persona versus our real persona the amount of times that people are like I want to do a photo shoot with you in and out of makeup no veto no no No. it's a very lovely idea but it's a lot of work and the makeup doesn't define us in and out of makeup uh, wow (laughs) (laughs) Through ah. your hatchet lack of eloquence, you've raised a really interesting point that I've never considered when people make that constant request. Yeah, like our burlesque selves are more than the lipstick that we put on. Oh, God, yeah, no. Um, our burlesque selves is more than the trauma we hold. Oh, it's definitely more, more than that. <laughs> it's just that in heels. Burlesque, trauma and heels. <laughs> Woo! I'm alive today. <laughs> oh, I'm glad because you can carry this fucking podcast. <laughs> the Luby Penguin is my friend. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about the Penguin. <laughs> we should probably say what we do within what we do. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Do you want to do that? Uh, like a mini career summary. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Have you seen the thing that's like 32 questions to love? No. <laughs> We should do it one episode. Okay. It's like 32 questions and be supposed to fall in love at the end. I've done it with three people. Did it work? I was already in love with one of them. So I feel like I was cheating. Rich, write it down. <laughs> You're not doing anything. <laughs> one of the questions is summarize your entire life in four minutes. The entire life from beginning to end. Oh my God. But I would like you to do it in one minute. Oh, fuck your me. Career. I'm not asking uh, for your life. I'm asking for your career. Hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. You ready? Three, two... One go. Okay, so I started off in acting. Turns out that's a pile of bollocks. And then I accidentally ended up in a burlesque show. And after a year of doing burlesque, I fell absolutely in love with it because I realised that I'm more of an entertainer than I am an actor. So I started bringing talking into my burlesque routines. Someone saw me do that and went, hey, bitch, you should be a comper. At the same time, I also wanted to get into producing. So I started putting on small shows in my hometown and met a performer called Lola LaBelle who was wanting to run a burlesque company called House of Burlesque. So we started working together. I started comparing as well as performing. Um, My, how long have I got? You've got 25 seconds. Okay. Uh, So um, during my performing career, I was very uh, excited to do things like going to Burlesque Hall of Fame in Vegas to do the opening ceremony. I performed at the Slipper Room in New York. Um, I performed in Italy, in Paris. So that's been really wonderful and fulfilling. Um, And through my comparing and uh, producing, I run House of Burlesque um, and and, and an academy and we've done loads of shows and here we are. (laughs) I like to watch you stress. It's very fun. It's very fun. Because I realised in the episodes where we kind of just briefly talk about what we do, one episode, we have not done it for any others. Where I'm like, we should really be like, hi, we're actually professionals, not just two people shouting at each other in a room or two separate rooms. Soon to be one room. (laughs) I know. This is like, it's like a wedding where you can't see the other person before the wedding. I mean, we have seen each other, but we haven't 
podcasted in the same space. I'm really worried about what it's going to be like if we're in the same space. And alcohol as well. I wonder if we just might insult each other for the whole time, which is probably truer to what we originally thought this podcast might be. I honestly thought we were going to be a lot worse to each other, especially by now. Ten episodes in, I thought we'd be right ripping chunks out of each other. But now we're like, no, your opinion's valid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you've got to do the same thing. What? Yes. One minute and I'll wave at you when it gets to 30 and I'll wave at you when it gets to 10. Did a countdown for five. Okay, cool. And go. Um, so I went to, I moved to London and I went to the Central School of Speech and Drama. I studied performance art where I essentially made like tongues out of puppets and meat. And I thought I was going to be a really serious kind of artist that was going to bleed on stage. Not far from the <laughs> truth, but I really thought I was going to be really serious and dark. Um, at the same time, uh, me, the drag queen who was meth and then Mr. Mistress was my SU president and also the president of the Burlesque Society. And I saw them doing um, burlesque, but it was never something I'd ever seen before in that sense where they like did really drag androgynous weird wonderful burlesque and I fell in love with it and I was like oh my god I want to do it and then they were like come to class and I was like no I want to be on a stage I was like come to class so I did that and then kind of fell in love with the comedy and burlesque and I kind of wandered through it at the same time I was doing stripping so I was learning my strip skills through there and then I fell in love with drag and accidentally became a drag queen and kind of went through and pushed it through there didn't get taken seriously so I started doing things and hammering things into my face and then I won some awards and then and then I and then I got taken seriously and then literally haven't even covered the first three years and I'm here now oh god I'm sorry did the first two and a half years <laughs> <laughs> i yeah you sort of get through the first few years and they'll be like and then everything else happened which was good here i am then <laughs> <laughs> we did a podcast and then we became wildly we didn't even do the bit where we we're like oh, we became wildly unemployed due to a pandemic so we had to think of some other way to have a creative outlet slash income <laughs> income lol lol <laughs> <laughs> hey that was fun are you ready for a little bit more foreplay? Totally ready. Yeah. Leg yeah, spread. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Wow, you do foreplay the right way. It's very heterosexual. It's <laughs> all right. I worry about heads. You should. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite Instagram is Hets Explain Yourself. <laughs> so- it's writing that down to follow immediately once finishing this recording they call heterosexual spag hets (laughs) why because it's a noodle of mess it's just loads of gender reveal parties that don't make sense (laughs) yeah we're weird yeah um i love you guys though but sometimes i worry um there was a meme that went out when the pandemic hit and i were just like are the hets okay (laughs) (laughs) what what about the straights Why? Because it's a funny thing to say, or is this a lol I'm missing? It's a funny thing. It's just a funny thing to say. Fair enough. It is funny. It's funny. But we worry. We worry. Is there, um, uh, see, we've fucked it now. We've gone off. We've gone off the path. We're well into the woods now. (laughs) Welcome to the Gin Salt, the episode where we're going to discuss the heterosexual and LGBTQ community (laughs) through the eyes of burlesque. I never find this stuff offensive. I find it hilarious. But is there like a normal people thing where they get really mad at being called hets? It's so good. Oh, okay. Oh, it's so good. Go follow the I accounts because the attacks are so funny. Where, oh, every, okay. Because everyone else is just going, but are you okay? <laughs> but are the hets okay? <laughs> it's just like, and they're like, rah, rah. And they're like, yeah, but 
are the straights okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Go, go, go. And that and, and hetero cringe is the other one that's absolutely amazing. Marvellous. So I wanted to put some foreplay into this um, and avoid the tangents where I'm going to ask you a series of questions that I ask people on dating sites okay. because I think this might be the good way to get to know you because I'm worried that I actually don't know anything about you. We just exist on this like tightrope of do we hate each other? I don't know. I love that we're in a committed working and personal relationship and now we're playing getting to know you games. (laughs) Chinsult, the divorce. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. All right, okay. So my first question is, if you were an ice cream, what ice cream would you be? (sighs) I'd be a Tangle Twister because I'm very flavoursome in a multifaceted way. Because sometimes I'm creamy and velvety and sometimes I'm sharp with a slightly bitter centre. <laughs> and you've got to stick up your ass. <laughs> and I got wood. exceeded every single dating <laughs> response I've ever had. I ask these questions because if someone turns around and says that's a stupid question or someone says really boring things then I'm almost like we're gonna have some problems <laughs> because I will wake you up in the middle of the night to go so if you think about dogs fighting sharks who do you think would win? <laughs> Shark moron! On land? Uh, you didn't say that though did you? Yeah, see? Think outside the box, Tempest. (laughs) Who would play you in a movie? You. (laughs) (laughs) Not because I think that you would do a good job, but because it would be a punishment. (laughs) The money would be so good that you couldn't turn it down and then you just have to spend months and months researching me and being me and talking like me and walking like me. I would put into the contract that the fee would be so astronomical that you had to do it. Oh my oh, God. That, if, that, I if, I, if I ever make enough money to make that a reality, that is going to be my will. Force me to play you in a film. Yes. Oh my God. For like 20 million pounds. So you can't ah. be like, no, I don't want to dedicate a life, a few years of my life to this. <laughs> Hello, my darlings. I'm Tempest Rose, diva, showgirl, liability. <laughs> body of a burlesque goddess and a mouth of a gutter whore there you go hey good good stuff if you just reach under your seats oh <laughs> you morons <laughs> you morons oh no but that means i'd have to sing and my singing impression of you would ruin your career and i think i'd enjoy i'd that. be dead it wouldn't matter oh is this after you die i assumed no i i think you'd i think there'd be a movie about you before you died Oh, this is even better. It means that I would have some say over your performance. Ah. This gets better and better. I love this fantasy world. (laughs) What's next? (laughs) This is one you're going to hate. You ready? Okay. What makes you happy? Oh, God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, uh, you asked me a wanky question. I'll give you a wanky answer. Go on. Into my mouth. Lockdown. (laughs) Into your mouth. I thought first you said, well, in time out. And I was like, no, they called me a gratuitous show stealer. (laughs) And although that did make me happy, I don't see the relevance to this point. (laughs) 
We can also thank Time Out for our amazing quote of it's like Moulin Rouge but on acid, which has been used, plagiarised and stolen all over. So, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. 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 But the original quote is ours. Yeah, it is. You deserve it. Yeah. So what makes me happy? Well, in all crises and in lockdown for lots of people, you have to define what makes you happy when everything is taken away from you. And... As long as I can create, then I am happy. If you weren't you, I would be having a one night stand with you. I know, right? That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Maybe that's what's keeping us connected. (laughs) An unconscious, subconscious need to... No, God, no. I take it back. I'm so sorry. I can't go there. Did not suppressed attraction. Oh, we're so oh. Catholic. Oh, oh my God, yes. Well, that makes sense. So that Catholic. makes total sense. Yeah. What makes you happy? <laughs> um, I don't know anymore. Oh wow, it changes all the time. I go in phases and fluctuate. At the moment, it's drawing horror. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Drawing horror and walking. I like those two things. But Mm -hmm. I struggle to think about large... At the moment in the pandemic, where my brain is, I really struggle to think about larger concepts of happiness. For example, yours, where you're like, if I can create. It's like, I can't fathom that kind of broader spectrum. Yeah. Just got lockdown brain, which means I can only really take one day at a time, which is really, really odd and dull. I know. Dull. Apart from drawing, it's great. I've been drawing some zombies and I like zombies. I want to see those drawings. You should put them on the story. Mm, they're all the way over there okay <laughs> i mean not now <laughs> what you don't want to see my drawings now not right this second um, this second <laughs> well i will say just to rewind slightly um i i know that creating makes me happy from a previous experience of going through something difficult and it has been confirmed to me in lockdown so just in case you all thought i was a cunt for being like lockdown's amazing i've discovered the inner truth to my happiness ah what have you lazy cunts been doing it's an ongoing process nice so those are the three questions that i ask and i think it's a really good way of finding out a bit about someone and their idea of who they are Mm -hmm. you can wheedle through egos quite quickly and you can also wheedle through boring people very quickly with those but then at the same time there's been some successful people with those questions and i've met them and i've been like ah you got someone else to write those you fucker (laughs) so you're saying it's not a foolproof system no, dating isn't a foolproof system, but I can't remember because it's been about six months since I've been on a date. Can I ask some questions now? I'm scribbling down mm. some dating questions. Well, questions. I, I'm married. I can't ask dating questions. This is my fo- This is my mock date. This is the only dating excitement I'm having. <laughs> I'm sure Luke won't mind. Go on. If you were a smell, what would you be? <laughs> <laughs> think i am mustard salad dressing like a honey mustard oh, okay honey mustard smell where it's like nice because immediately when you said that my brain went vinegar and i was like <laughs> that's not great opinion of myself tasty <laughs> but then i was like but that pleasant vinegary smell when it's like sharp but it's got a really like mustardy basey flavor so it's like i'm earthy and i've got all that going on but at the same time don't put me too close to you because it will burn your nostrils You'll never get the smell off. You'll never get the smell off. And I've got so much oil in me that if you pour me anything, I will stain you for life. I love it. 
if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, ah. You can have a whole cuisine type if you want. Oh, okay, cool. A whole cuisine? Yeah. Do you know what? I'd say like Thai. Mm, nice. I really, really like that fresh noodle vibe. It's really good. And also it's mostly gluten-free, so I'll be quite happy there. Oh no, sushi, I think. What, f- every single meal? Oh God, that's actually a horrible question. I'm going to stick with Thai. I'm going to stick with Thai. Nice. This is a question that I get my students to think about. It's not as lulls as the other one, but given that at some point we're going to have to talk about this in the context of burlesque. <laughs> what is Lolo Brow's favourite costume piece? Like defining slash favourite. Ooh, that's hard. Is it a whole costume or a piece of costume? No, an item. An item. Oh, it's my green wig. Your green wig? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Green wig. Fair enough. my defining feature. Yes, fair point. <laughs> it's iconic. I thought you might say tiny sweaty crystals gusset. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I, I gave you like an honest answer rather than a funny answer. I think I've run out of funny. So you're going to have to do it for the rest of the episode. That's fine. Yeah. I believe in you. You've got this. Watch it evaporate into the air. (laughs) (laughs) It's important that we emphasise that there is this really bizarre idea that your burlesque self is separate from who you are. And what we're trying to convey is basically that it's not that at all. Tempest said earlier that it's the superhero version of yourself. So we're both in the idea that our burlesque version persona, even though it's a different name and a different face, is actually just us on speed. Yes. It's yes. it's hyper self. Hyper self. Or like your most authentic self. Yeah. I always um have carried the philosophy. Um I don't know I'm not speaking for both of us, I'm speaking for me. I've got to learn to say that in this episode. I realize I listen back and I'm like, I'm speaking for the podcast. No. <laughs> no, my favourite bit is in the last episode you said my listeners. And I was like, our listeners, bitch. <laughs> oh no. I have my listeners. You my have listeners. yours. There's, there's some people that just only listen to my half of the recording. I don't know if you know this, but I've been secret releasing just my side of the recording, cutting you out entirely. Brilliant. <laughs> I you just made that for yourself and you just play it on loop on home. Our listeners should fight each other. <clears throat> oh my god, is that what the live's gonna be? Yes. Gladiators. That's what we're working up to. <laughs> Pick a side, bitches. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, burlesque is the version of me that's never been shamed. Burlesque is the version of me that's never let the pain of whatever has happened in my life define me. It is the me that doesn't have the voice in my head that questions my decisions. It's me on impulse and I don't know how you feel about it. I think they're great ways of describing it. I have stolen the first one now since you say it. I credit you when I say it, but I use that constantly because <laughs> it's a, a great way to get people to understand what it means to have a burlesque you that you live in. I really enjoyed in, I can't remember which episode it was that we did, when you said that burlesque is finding all the things that have been held against you and turning it into your superpower. Oh, yeah. And that totally exists in our persona. So the impulse thing, I think, is great as well our personas have free license to dominate the space to do anything they want to to not feel that the stage isn't their playground and to construct the world with our vision and that's one of the beautiful things about doing burlesque definitely Uh, i think i really enjoyed that episode as well because it was like a revelation that we kind of both had at that time we were like (gasps) 
we re-weaponize and that's that power of reclamation and it's one of the reasons why we're like everyone should go to burlesque artists or try burlesque if you want to connect with that part of yourself obviously only if you want to don't we're not forcing you to i am we need to make money Everyone must do a beginner's burlesque course. Do a Through beginner's me. burlesque course. <laughs> but it's a really, really good attitude. I've got a question for you. Mm. When you discovered burlesque and you started nurturing this part of yourself, because it wasn't an alter other character, something happened to me, and I'm wondering if it happened to you. I started living my life 24-7 as Lolo. Did this happen to you? Uh, oh, explain. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that meant practically? Okay, so when I discovered that I had this capability to harness this version of myself that was worshipped for being the things I've been criticised for all my life, essentially, I found myself living that person 24-7. It was a temporary, it was only for a few months, maybe to a year. I coincided with my dickhead period of time. But this idea that you exist as your stage self the entire time to the point where there was no boundary or no change. It was actually quite exhausting because I was being performative Uh, all the time. But it was the way that I felt validation. Therefore, I just was addicted to it and I craved it all the time. And I think I've watched a few other performers do it as well. Is this something that you experienced? No. (laughs) Um, Within the progression of my self in burlesque, I think that that existed as two separate things. So I did go through the periods that you're talking about of, I call it the hot period, like when you suddenly become the shit and everyone's talking about you and you finally crack out of sort of that pool of people who want to do burlesque into an artist that the working industry is taking notice of and you can turn into a massive cunt during that period and some people stay in that ego realm and some people (laughs) learn to kind of put that ego in a box and uh, yeah, we learn and we know some people that never did. But I... uh, I don't think I did do the other thing that you're talking about. What I found, I suppose, instead was actually the opposite, that my personality in real life became a lot quieter because I had this outlet for being so large. And Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, So when people met me, and maybe when they still meet me, I think they're surprised at how quiet I am. So yeah, I did more of a duality. Oh, well, no, I no. mean, when they don't know me, <laughs> when they don't know me, like I don't have a, I don't have a need, I guess, to be performative for strangers. Okay, cool. That brings me to my next question. Mm-hmm. So what's the first thing people say to you when they've only met the stage version of yourself and then they've met the real version of yourself? What's the first thing that people usually say? Oh God. Mine's, um, you're actually really nice. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what did yeah. I do? when I was on stage (laughs) I probably get some version of that or oh I thought you'd be really scary if I don't turn up somewhere in makeup people do not know it's me which is infuriating Mm. and I would always turn up as kind of tempest light as I call myself if I'm going to like a meeting to do with burlesque like producer tempest looks like you would imagine and that's different to you know how I might mooch around the house Uh, but if I used to turn up to shows with no makeup on and and people would just ignore me when I was comparing prior to the full-on establishment of House of Burlesque. Obviously, it would compare at a lot of other shows and I would turn up not ready for stage and performers just would completely blank me and then as I would get ready, there would be this moment of being like, 
oh, that's who you are. And I don't think I look that different, do I? I understand when people do that to me. I don't understand when people do that to you. Yeah, nuts. I think you just get so used to seeing people in a certain way. And then if you've never really met you before or things like that, I do understand. It seems unlikely, but I do understand. It's weird, isn't it? I think also some of that must be you absorb people's personality when you think about their look. And again, like because I can do all the things that I do on stage, I have no desire to be that off stage. I have an off button. I've got... Some people don't. Uh, I just remembered something that I think you'll really enjoy. Mm. Uh, so, so I went, got into a dressing room in, I think it was in Sheffield. And I sat down and started doing my makeup and just talking pleasantly to everyone. And then um, another performer who I had never met before, um, I was like, ah, oh, it's really unprofessional. She's so late. And then they were just like kind of sitting there just like doing my makeup. And then they were like, ah, oh, but I guess it makes sense. Low, low brows late. I guess that makes sense. And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sitting. What? And it's really strange when people don't recognize me out of makeup. So I'm like, I legit have green hair 24 seven. Yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> Same tattoos, everything. And I don't even really change my voice that much on stage anymore. I used to. I used to change it a lot. But now I'm just like, ah, uh, talk. That's crazy. And I, you were right. I fucking love that story. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy it. It just shot into my head and I was like, did oh. they want to die when you said that? <laughs> yeah, I think they did. I think they wanted to crawl inside themselves. <laughs> so unprofessional. She's late. Huh, guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, it would be on brand. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They went wrong. It's not wrong. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) You have to be here by five for 59. The rickety broken suitcase comes thundering into the dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Doc Martens coming up the stairs, cowboy boots kicking against the thing. The door bangs open and the smell of celery wafts into the room. So I don't know if anyone can hear, but I feel seen. <laughs> That's the downstairs of Sway. Yeah. And Rachel. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm there. Technically on time. Yes, I know. Early. It takes me a long time to do my makeup. <laughs> Nothing stresses me out more than walking into a room, particularly for a new show and seeing Lolo already there. <laughs> <laughs> I think nothing else stresses you out more than seeing me already there, not in makeup. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the show's in two hours. My makeup takes three. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I know you can speed makeup. That doesn't oh, bother yeah. me. And no one notices the differences. That's what really annoys me. So when I speed makeup, people are like, yeah, this looks great. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, there's no fucking point. There's no fucking point anymore. <laughs> How do you process your life prior to low low brow and after and do you process them differently i do and i feel weird when my old life comes into my vision it's like (laughs) i didn't live really before this it's so hard to explain the idea of a life before low low brow is i'll be honest 
a life that I don't want and a life that makes me unhappy to think about because there was someone there who had this performative aspect of themselves and wanted to create and do things and specifically be sexual. This is one of the things that I really like. There was so much like slut shaming and stuff when I was younger, when I was just like, I was fucking curious teenager who just had the horn. That was it. So I kind of feel like there was a period of my life which was just shame and nothingness and then Lolo Brow and then it's just been healing ever since. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really weird. Like the first 20 years of my life is just stuff that was done and then fixing it for the last 10. Oh, that's lovely. What's happening? Why are you being nice? Because it keeps you on an uneven footing it does it really does <laughs> it really does i feel like that i'm on a three-legged chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> isn't that some kind of known torture technique <laughs> <laughs> that's not why i do it's just a pleasant side effect yeah you're the floppy sock at the end of my foot when i can't put it pull it up that's what your feeling is wow i'm really annoying yeah oh uh, mm. no not annoying just disconcerting and yeah. but soft it's still soft in weird ways. Uh, am I not the crystal on the bottom of the sole of your dance oh. shoe? <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Intrinsically, I'm a good and beautiful thing, but in the wrong time and place, <laughs> fucking irritating and a bit dangerous. <laughs> and environmentally fucked. <laughs> and if you step on me, I'll try and kill you. <laughs> Do you know what? I've just realised the other benefit of doing this. Unlike comparing on stage, we actually have a record of the cool things that we say. <laughs> Thank God for that. Well, that you're a rhinestone. Yes. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, what about you? How do you think about your Tempest Rose life and prior Tempest Rose life? Oh, there's definitely a before Tempest and an after Tempest. I quite like myself before Tempest. Obviously, there are issues there. Otherwise, I never would have created this whole magic. But for me, it's more, it's like another person. It's like I have a weird window into the life of somebody else. And every so often I get a little memory about it and a glimpse of it. And I don't know if what I'm about to say is normal. Go for it. Maybe it isn't. I find it really hard to to kind of remember that life. I don't know if it's because my brain's so busy and it's so in the moment, which I think is what keeps me like quite a positive person. And our work previously used to be quite consuming. So always thinking about things that I have to do, things that are coming up. So it's like I've lobotomized a huge chunk of my life before Tempest. And then every so often I'll just like remember something like, at school or like a being out and it's so fucking weird and it's like a completely different person it's another life it's like watching it through a tv screen right yeah 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 it's so odd but i don't know if that's time i don't know if it's time i don't know if everyone has this okay. or if we have a specifically a very niche turning point in our lives where we created a like a divergent like parallel life yeah. sort of thing like I feel like my life is like a tuning fork it's like a stem and then there's two parallel lines so it's like they exist parallel and they're going exactly the same direction but there is just this extra layer I also think my life got so much more exciting which is one of the reasons why I remember so much in the last 10 years because now it's creative fulfilling and exciting like it's just one of the things that people 
do get excited about when they think about our lives and people we're interested in is like traveling around the world performing for like celebrities jumping into these parties doing these really bizarre things and like we talk about them like it's nothing Hmm. So I think there is an element of desensitization where our life now has, I sound like I'm just doing a humble brag and I'm really sorry, <laughs> listeners, but our life is really exciting in really just a very normal way for us now. So beforehand, mm. it's like, well, what? I went to Liquid Disco and I snogged and got fingered on the dance floor <laughs> versus now where I get flown to the Seychelles to perform for an Arabian prince overnight and then get flown back that parallel Mm. is like huge and they're both normalities but of different lives yeah and it's so fast paced isn't it i have to sit and scroll sometimes through my phone well i have to i do for fun because then i'm like oh we did that 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 like we have to move so quickly there's not really any time to absorb any of it, which is crazy. And then now in lockdown, I don't really want to think about it because I really miss it. So I'd rather just be like, okay, let's just put that in a little shelf and then we can get into the reminiscing later. Curious. Mm. On that note, before you go on another tangent, do you think that our life now, this period of time, this four months, will be like the period of time before our lives? Do you think we'll treat it the same way where we won't have that immediate parallel creative outlet? So we won't necessarily remember this time the way we remember our performing life. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, a bit of both. We have done some creative stuff. We're doing one right now. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, it's very much tied to, like I think being Tempest has taught me, and I will say I've been incredibly lucky in my career that this has worked out this way, that if I if I want to do something, I can, I can do it. Just, just fucking do it. Like it's given me that attitude. Like, and you can't do everything. I understand that of being like, all right, um, I want to put on a show about this. All right, just fucking do it. Just get on with it. Like this real sense of I can shape the world around me. Yeah. And that has come from a mix of, I, I fell into this little reading black hole of, of a wonder when I was in my late teens and read a lot of books that kind of reinforced that attitude in me. And then I got to drop into this world of burlesque that happened to be going through this amazing resurgence. And that's an incredible piece of luck that suited so many elements of my personality. And then being fortunate enough to be successful at it and to move into producing, I have more control over shaping my reality every day. And that's been incredibly fortunate to have that as be real. Yeah. I don't even know why I got onto that. Oh, to do looking down on lockdown. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's got to do with that. No, no, I think it's totally amazing. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no. Uh, I'm trying to tie the two points together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> parallel, <laughs> parallel, tuning fork, tuning parallel. fork. You don't need yeah, to. You don't need to. And it's gin salt, so I'm just going to leave that thought <laughs> lying on the bed there. <laughs> Robe undone. <laughs> Legs deliciously akimbo. <laughs> deliciously akimbo. Jinso, deliciously akimbo. Hey! <laughs> uh, no, no, you hit a nail on the head there that I haven't really thought about, which is something that I'm really proud of in my life, whereas I do have an attitude, depending on where my mental health is, but most of the time is like, oh, I'll just learn how to do that. I'll just do it. Staff, swords, knives, everything. It's just been like, oh no, I'll just learn how to do it. You won't teach me? Oh, I'll just learn. There is that like immediate reinforcementness where we just got that element of confidence just to like give it a fucking go which is something I did not have growing up it was really 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 hard to even imagine myself trying something because I just couldn't bear the idea of getting it wrong whereas now 
I'm like, ah, oh, shove a sword down my throat. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't People it? People listening, I have trained for a long time. Don't <laughs> worry. I'm just shoving things down my throat. Do you think there's a correlation between being given the tools to construct your identity or reconstruct your identity in your best image and being able to construct your world? Yeah, because you're redefining your reality. You, you start to reject the things that you've been told as a given as a child especially I think one of the things that we definitely agree on I, I think is the things that we've told as, as a woman mm. a lot of it in burlesque is reprogramming that and I think when you when you can make up your own character that isn't made up it's just a version of yourself you can put it in a world where it redefines the concepts of everyone else's reality then you kind of get a bit matrixy when you're like what else can i do mm. and it's not obviously not to the extent where i believe i can stop bullets don't shoot me but i think there is a part of you where you just you keep pushing yourself i know it exists in sideshow where i'm like i can do this one thing with my body what else can my body do like how far what can I do and it's all oh that's really lovely to think about oh that actually makes me feel so much better I feel my depression lifting skin tingly (laughs) thinking about that that's so cool god I love burlesque sometimes yeah oh god (gasps) 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 that's so nice that's actually made me feel like a million times better I've been feeling really shit for the last week and it's just that was like oh Oh no, I've redefined my reality before. I can do it again. Go you. I believe in you, says the crystal Thanks, on the bottom babe. of your shoe. <laughs> oh God, so horrible. <laughs> and then you like put onto, you go onto like a nice marble floor. You just hear this. <laughs> and you're like, oh God. <laughs> oh God. Pick me off and stick me somewhere pretty. <laughs> Middle of my forehead. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> like a beacon. <laughs> <laughs> I did a shoot at um, someone's house two weeks ago and they like a forehead clitoris sorry I had to say it whilst it was in my brain <laughs> carry on <laughs> it had to come out <laughs> I, I'm not angry I, I, I'm, by the way I'm literally never annoyed when you talk over me on this podcast it never bothers me it's just kind of like oh God. Especially when it's forehead glitters. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 wait. Does that mean you'll be giving me head? Hey! hey! <laughs> I feel so bad for Rich for editing this episode. It is beautiful and chaotic. It's lols. <laughs> anyway, you were at someone's house. Apologies. Oh, yeah. And they just sent me a picture of their child collecting the rhinestones that I'd left behind. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. Picking up the fragments of a dream life that one day she could embrace as she rebuilds herself in the image of what she wants, not what society wants, and realises that she can take those tools to construct her whole world. You go, tiny child. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I am too empowered today now. Yeah, I'm going to like throw some knives after this. It's going to be fucking great. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I can't wait to throw it at a person. It's going to be so good. You. I know you're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's going to be you. It's going to be Jesus. Yeah, okay, cool. Back to alter egos and stuff. Oh, I've got a question. So we talk about how our personalities on stage are just us hyper, but is there anything that your character does that you definitely don't do? Oh, 
have an endless abundance for wanting to talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) Abundance of energy, there's probably a missing word there. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. You? I don't know if it's something I would do. But it's something that I'm aware of. I don't think it's something specific. I definitely am aware that I get away with a lot more than I would. I think that's that. So I think there is like, I definitely say things that I would not get away with in everyday life. I would get rejected from conversation Mm. in a heartbeat. (laughs) I'm trying to think there's anything else in particular. I think there is that other one where you tap into that source of energy where you're like, hi, and it's exhausting. Do you feel that shift? Like I have a moment, especially when we've done like big, big shows, like the underbelly shows and stuff, where the, you just need this huge surge of energy because you're dealing with such a complicated show and you're performing to such a large group of people and you're in the round. So your energy like has to just, yeah, fire all around you. And it's a credible, exhilarating experience, but it's fucking intense. And I have a point that I can recognize in myself where, I just start flipping into Tempest Lights, the kind of sleigh riding into like low, low key me. And it, it's this really weird kind of, it's, it's a very physical sensation of just, I suppose, calming down slightly. Would you find that? Yeah. Oh, would you mean during the show? No, after. So like in the bar after, I'm like Tempest, 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 Tempest and relax. And obviously I'm still Tempest, but it's yeah. not the same version of me. Yeah, I think that's also something that I've, really have to hammer home to like new partners or new friends there's one reasons why i'm like point blank if you want to get to know me don't meet me after a show if you want to get to know the real me with the squishy finger inverted commas do not come up to me after a show because you won't get it it takes so long to put up these barriers that make you bulletproof on stage and that and also don't judge us for like putting up barriers and being bulletproof on stage we have to do it to keep ourselves sane safe and Mm. it's and it's part of the job and I'm like I have these walls and they are performative and things and I've had partners in the past not very nice ones obviously who would like get really angry with me for being still being performative in the hour after I've come out of the show in the bar afterwards and it's like you're still it's like you're still on stage I'm like it's because in my head I am yeah I can't just switch it off because again it's fundamentally who I am I'm not lying that's a part of me it's just obviously it's a bit inauthentic in the fact that I'm still performative Mm. any person who gets to know me it will happen if you let it happen and if you start arguing with it or start pointing it out it's gonna make it worse or I will shut down entirely Mm. I don't know if that happens to you and it's really horrible because it makes me feel like you don't like the person that I am on stage which is me and also that you're judging me and it's mm. really, it's a really insecure place. And I don't know if you feel that when people do that. Yeah, I definitely recognize what you're talking about. And I know that I've had similar conversations with other performers as well. And, and there's so many annoying things about it. Like, firstly, like, how do you, how does a person imagine that we can do what we do to the extent that we do it? And then it's just done the minute we step off stage. I mean, I think we would have real 
I feel like I would have a massive personality crisis within myself if the switch flicked that quickly. And like I say, you know, secondly, these aren't fake characters that we're putting on. It's a, it's an extension of ourselves. So you, you, you've got the, you've got to kind of organically shift between mm. these kind of ranges of energy, the personal energy that you're using. Um, also, for fuck's sake, when you come off stage and you're in the bar, you're still at work. Like, yeah. you, you know, we don't have, I think... I always compare it to acting. Like if you meet an actor in a bar and they are nothing like the performance that you've just watched, you have this, I think people are like, wow, that's so impressive. There's an expectation that you are your burlesque you with your audience. So we have to do that regardless of the fact that we are that person to greater and lesser levels. But the truth of it is when it comes to this being an issue with partners is that that version of us, they have no control over. Like, I think that's the toxic element of that. And that is what's really, freaky about it god yes <laughs> so much that so much that and it's one thing when it's it's a huge warning sign when mm. a partner doesn't like who you are on stage it's a huge huge warning sign because it, it represents the part of you they can't control yeah and it's scary when they try to personal experience um my ex-partner would get angry if i didn't mention him on stage oh my god really yeah, because it was, it was oh, during the time of the wow. solo show and he got really weird about me not mentioning him on stage and stuff like that. And I tried it once and I remember it feeling awful because it was like I felt like I was forced to mm. and he, he just didn't like me as Lolo. And it's a huge problem. And it goes the opposite way where people meet you and they like you because they've met Lolo. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not someone you want to date. Like, not wholly. Date me, obviously. Date me. Date me. I'm great. Um <laughs> Yeah, but they only like the you on the stage. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, ah. Um, the one thing that I also just emphasised, when people don't understand that it's a creative thing where you're like trying to rejig your brain and slowly come down, and we will come down, we will. It takes hmm. about an hour, two hours of just like casual conversation chill sometimes i need to stop and just sit and have some fresh air by myself sometimes it is helpful to take my makeup off sometimes it doesn't make a fucking difference but one thing i try and hammer home to people has been like our job is to run on adrenaline for two to three hours at a go just constant adrenaline in our body adrenaline 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 it takes you a while to just flush that out of your system. Adrenaline doesn't just go away and absorbed. It does linger. It's one of the reasons why I can't go to sleep straight after a gig because there's mm. just adrenaline racing through my bloodstream. And I always try to explain it, being like, you know, when you think there's an extra step, but you feel your whole body just like shult with adrenaline. We still have that after feeling for a while. It's just, it's just there. So we're just a bit hyper and that's fine. Yeah. Like, if you're a burlesque partner and you find the after show section stressful because you're expecting your partner to come out and be all about you, don't. That's creepy. But also, <laughs> look, just enjoy the time, like the process where we're like little butterflies flitting about and we want to talk to everybody and we have a really short attention span. And when we, we, we're not in the zone where we can be like, hi, how's your day been? Like, we'll want to talk about us. We'll want to talk about the show. Like, embrace that period because it's the period where we can just naturally come off this adrenaline safely and in a way that's going to be harmonious for our relationships mm. you need that disconnect that uh, you need to work out that adrenaline from your system it's a perfect way of thinking about it I think it's really great and I think I really love that as advice to I rarely think about giving advice to like show partners because it is a it is quite a laboursome role in some ways like I do appreciate that sometimes it's hard because there is a part of us it's like huge personality and it's like ah. 
But yeah, it's uh, treat your partner as if they were coming down off a drug or if they were sobering up. It just like you wouldn't want to harden that process. You wouldn't shout. You wouldn't make it harder. You just want to be there for when they land. Yeah. Because trust me, if you're still there when they they land and you're there in a supportive way, you have that person for fucking life, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Oh God, that's lovely. Oh, we've done some lovely, lovely things. <laughs> I've learned a lot this podcast. <laughs> yeah, just lovely. Like those lovely, lovely moments. And like, it's like, yeah, I think Luke does that really well with you. He does, yes, but it is a learned response. And mm. I will be incredibly grateful to the fact that He's never really had a problem with Tempest's existence. And bear in mind, like, we got together just before I started doing burlesque. And I think that's really hard. Like, you meet this person, you fall in love, and then they discover this all-consuming version of themselves, which takes over your entire fucking life. And a lot of people... Your spare room. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) and the rest. A lot of people (laughs) just couldn't handle that. And you're constantly in a position where they are the focus in the room. They're the person who gets all the attention they're the person who has that dominant personality and harking back to our heads okay like that's difficult I think in in your kind of traditional heterosexual male female relationship because men aren't taught to deal with that we're trained to deal with a partner who shines and to be the support role and that's supposed to be the woman's job so you know all praise to him for that but he'll say you know there are parts he found difficult and uh, I'm sure he won't mind me saying like I think he went through a period where he thought maybe Tempest didn't like him like you are you are living with a third person (laughs) that's oh yeah you are you're living with a third person and they're always there because they're not mm. a separate person. Do you know what? I'd really love to do dating and burlesque, relationships and burlesque, because touching on it now, I'm like, yeah. it, it does affect your relationships in some really interesting ways. And you're right, it is a learnt behaviour. And credit to all those partners who have put in the time to learn how to be mm. supportive in a specific way. Tom's learning how to be a show boyfriend, learning Amazing. how to um, prepare my sticks and things like that, which is great. Oh, the perfect wetness awesome. of the towel. And puts in the effort, which is really lovely. And it also yeah. a case of dealing with you and you're like, no, this, 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 because we're on a clock. We don't have time. Yeah, we should definitely do a relationships one. Be so many interesting things to talk about. And oh, that. Oh my God, it'd be fascinating. Okay, cool. We'll put that, we'll put that on the put list, list of uh, things. Put on the list. Uh, so can I ask you a question? No. How many levels of Lolo are there? Okay, whenever I do this kind of question, I always say everyone has this we're not special i can guarantee everyone single person listening you are a different person in front of your mm. grandma is a different person in front of your friends is a different person in front of your parents in front of your boyfriend in front of your cat in front of yourself in the shower <laughs> you all do it so on that level you fundamentally understand i think there's um i think there's three mm-hmm. three versions and i think one is full stage full glory wig everything professional on it boss love it then there is the boss boss who is me in semi makeup and getting stuff done i'm doing makeup because i feel that's the only visual i've got it's like producer lolo business lolo producer lolo spreadsheets running the show keeping my body in shape being able to train learn new skills and then there is the the part of me that's just a mess (laughs) an absolute fucking mess (laughs) And you work with me long enough, you'll meet that mess many times. <laughs> and it is a huge part of myself. And she's fun and she's creative and she's chaotic and she's lovely and she's sweet. That's the other thing. It's weird. 
But yeah, so those are the three versions of myself. What about you? Uh, so stage tempest, obviously. Tempest Max. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching tempest, which is like a kind version of comparing tempest. <laughs> Business tempest, and I think there's there's tempest that I am with you, mm. as in like off stage tempest. So. I sort of include that because obviously then there's like delineations of like how I am with my parents, uh, how I am when I'm mooching around the house, which on the spectrum is much closer to my everyday me. Uh, no, that's no, because Tempest is my everyday me. My uh, my birth me. I'll call it my birth me. <laughs> Just to be super wanky about it. Your vagina weasel. <laughs> my vagina weasel me um because when we are in our friendship circles in burlesque again i love burlesque friendships because we've had the benefit of knowing the authentic that we designed like our our best foot forwards by our own rules versions of ourselves and that is why you know i say to people when they think that i'm using the name tempest as a barrier i'm like my best industry friends call me tempest and they know me more than than probably my own family knows me but they call me tempest and i call you lolo and i call demi demi and betsy betsy because we're recognizing that true part of ourselves again it's not a, it's not a fake name oh it drives me up the wall it's my pet this is a pet peeve this is yeah. what fucks me off i hate it i yeah. hate it i hate it i hate it when people are like but what's your real name what's your real name what's, what's your, your real name? name i was like it doesn't matter or when people find out your real name and then use it as some kind of leverage like as if they've yes. won up to me in some way i'm like no everyone knows my real name it just i've asked them not to use it yeah it's so disrespectful it's so disrespectful don't you dare come up to a performer and do it it is you instantly get barrier and you'll never get it down yeah it's uh it's maddening it's rude um i i, I have a little sympathy <laughs> not with the but what's your real name <laughs> Because I've met a couple of other performers, but in different fields, who have apologised for calling me Tempest because they don't understand, because it's quite unique to burlesque, that I think in their mind, they think it's the same as if I'd seen, I don't know, someone play Christine and Phantom and just called the actress Christine to her face. Oh. And it took me a while to realise that. And it wasn't until I'd sort of recognised the way that somebody who'd done acting had done it. Mm. And I don't think that comes from the same place. But I agree with you, like, oh, my heckle stands up on it. Because when somebody asks you that in your burlesque way, sometimes what they're doing is trying to take you down a peg or two. It's like, oh, they want to bring you back to earth yeah. in their mind. I'll be honest, it is a power power play and it's for sometimes mm. it's in emails when i've never mentioned my name to them ever Ooh, weird and it's like a power yeah it's, it's sometimes it's a fucking power play and i hate it it's also stripping wise it's a really frustrating power play because it's um people use it as some kind of use against your safety that's the other thing yeah. it's like this is like people know who you are and it's like mate everyone knows who i am i don't give a shit did you honestly think my name was vedette <laughs> I think it's that, like, uh, I I know who you really are. <laughs> it's like some of my dearest friends call me Lolo. And yeah, God, my partner calls me, like, my everyone calls me Lolo or Low. It's like, ah. And also, it just makes it easier as well. That's the other thing. I'll be honest, convenience. When you're working with people all the time and you are friends with them, it's so much easier to be, like, stage name because I would never ever ever dream of calling you by your real name in a professional environment no and it's um, something that just stops people from it helps you from slipping up 
Um, it's something I had to really explain to my old school friends because one of them shouted my full, full name, including middle name, from the audience oh, as I was walking off stage. No and way. the look I gave them of like, what the fuck? Oh, wow. Yeah. I think my parents have turned up somewhere, like come to a, a show that we're producing and asked the people at security f- by my real name. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, I didn't use those words because my parents would not appreciate that language. But it's not like you don't know. You're turning up to, to my show and like normally they come early and people know to bring them in and so they can sit down. Um, especially now, you know, they're in there probably nearly 80 now. But it's just like, guys firstly people spent a period of time just being like no sorry we don't know that person (laughs) who is it sorry who do you want i think they're looking for somebody and then somebody else was just like oh they mean tempest (laughs) (laughs) yeah my mum's the opposite she loves turning up to events like as soon as i donned lolo brow as a name she loved the idea of just turning up to places and being like I'm on Lolo Brow's list. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. She's like, I'm Mama Brow. She just, she loves turning up and saying she's Mama Brow to the point where she does it. And I'm like, I, I don't work in that venue that much, mum. But I love that you've gone in there full heart, like full heart. <laughs> Amazing. No, it's really nice. It's really cute. And it's, it's fun because in that way, my mum's kind of found a really fun identity through it where I obviously share lots of stuff about my mum, but I'm sharing the mama brow version of my mum which is the stage version of me if that makes sense Mm, yeah that's interesting Uh, anything that we want to get into that we want to cover that we haven't yet i don't think so i feel like we've just rambled for an hour and how long hang on let's go back to this tuning fork idea do you wonder what would have happened to you had you not ever found burlesque Yes, a million times over. But when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how I wouldn't have discovered it because it's so perfect for me. The idea of it not crossing my path is absolutely insane. But I think, well, I was going to be a midwife before I went to drama school. So that was a whole other tangent. Got into midwifery school. Imagine me birthing your child. I I know it's a beautiful image. Push, bitch. But... uh, (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't. I, I have no idea. It's the same with kink. It's the same with drag. It's the same with burlesque. But the thing is, those things all happened in the same period of time. So it's like if I didn't have that introduction to burlesque, I wouldn't have been introduced to drag. I wouldn't have been introduced to kink. So I wouldn't be even involved in the BDSM world or anything like that, which would mean I would be having the sex I was having before that. And that scares me. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so it's like I would probably be in. I'll be honest. I'd probably be in like an abusive heterosexual relationship. Oh God, that's that's what's really scary. Awful. Yeah, because the tendencies that I have to fall into abusive situations have been broken and unlearned due to the processes I've gone through through burlesque. Oh well, you've made it heavy. <laughs> okay, but also, uh, I think I'm not skilled enough to have anything proper so i'd probably be bumming around probably be bumming around bumming around no you'd be a midwife or something for sure yeah i'd definitely a midwife or something a high high adrenaline high adrenaline job there's definitely in a multi-universe situation a version of me that does something like manages a shop or runs some kind of beauty salon (laughs) and Ah. yeah is like the person who always has to be too extra (laughs) in a very karen-esque way (laughs) do you reckon you'd be the nightmare 
How do you mean? I meet some people who are an absolute nightmare to talk to and be around. And I honestly think it's because they haven't got a performative outlet. And I'm worried and I wonder that if I didn't have burlesque, I would be horrendous to be around oh interesting um i don't know i probably imagine i'd be one of those people who was like welcome to christmas i've color matched all of the napkins and put them on the table as well as built this custom-made chandelier that also springs into a choir <laughs> you know, like random shit coming into my head like that when you were fucking sick well i think i'd be a fucking badass wife in that period of time where if you were wealthy what you really were was the house and the family manager <laughs> For my need oh. to control but be creative but I'd probably be really unhappy like I remember being an actor before discovering burlesque and you have that kind of life dread of like what if it never happens what if you never get this break what if you never go anywhere and then there's just this big black hole that is your life and you're told constantly which is statistically true that very few of you will ever get that leg up into making this your life you're in just you know being full-time performer that isn't just kind of like scratching away at different jobs and that's probably the going to supermarket on a Saturday morning having some kids because what else do you do and that's what all your friends do and getting a job and I mean the thought of it terrifies me look if this is your life I'm not here to diss it I'm merely talking about what makes me happy and it would be like uh, I don't know for me it's like a half life yeah because you wouldn't have your other self yeah and always never feeling right and always being the person who's being judged for like being too sexy or being too much or being really over the top and like never really quite fitting in with people. Oh God, it would be really depressing. Yeah, because I think my career would still absorb my life, but it would be something else. It would definitely be something medical. Yeah, me too. <sighs> yeah, there's always this it would be the sense of like something else should have happened. Oh my God, that makes me feel... That's like my horror story that I never discovered best. That actually fills me with so much dread. Let's go back to talking about how it was so much... So we like, we did the nice bits. Yeah, <laughs> but luckily it didn't happen. <laughs> but you have the same thing I have, which is that it's almost like... Bellesque is your destiny, like this thing is created for you. <laughs> and when I first saw... Why are you laughing? That's basically what you said. <laughs> no, but you say it in such a Disney way. It's my destiny. destiny. I saw those tits on stage and I knew it was for me <laughs> it's like you reached into my brain and put my heart on a plate <laughs> that's as far as I've got look I started in musical theatre if you didn't know that you know that now <laughs> I knew that the minute I met you yeah, like, and I remember walking home from my first meeting from the troupe I joined and like trying to think about my name and this insane sense of adrenaline, which I sort of get, I guess it's maybe a type of intuition or maybe it's just a bollocks coincidence of being like, this could, this could be my life. This could be it. It's really weird to remember that. I've had that since though. I've had moments in it and I think it's when I take on a new skill or when I learn something like at the moment, I'm really enjoying staff. Staff is not, uh, people who do staff, by the way, is fascinating and lovely and amazing, but it's, it's not that interesting on stage. But I've just figured out a mm. few bits and bobs where I'm like, oh, this could be a new thing. Yeah. And I think it's the same when I, I discovered like a diff uh, different types of things. I'm just waffling. Basically, I completely agree. That feeling of like, I'm going home. Yeah. It's like someone's reached in your brain and invented an art form just for you. Oh, God, that's so much ego and narcissism in there, but I'm here for every drop of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't deny that. But I have heard, yeah, people say variations of the same thing. Yeah, and I forget 
that I should be grateful for that and I think one of the things that's been really hard for the pandemic is not feeling that connected to something that makes you feel whole for even a short period of time so it's not burlesque <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> we've accidentally done the episode which is how burlesque changed our lives which is nice that's nice see, i told you it wouldn't be quite the same i don't think we've actually done that much about alter egos we've done a lot of good stuff I guess we can call the episode what we want. And if we still call it alter egos, then listeners, you're welcome because you've got a totally new discussion rather than the discussion that we've probably had in various forms over the past few years. It's absolutely fine. I've just realised something that I started writing, it's not burlesque unless, and then just stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I came up with one this morning and now I can't remember. (laughs) It's not burlesque unless you feel that someone's reached into your brain and created an app for just for you. Okay, fine. You can have it. You can have it. Thank you. Do you want it? You want it? I want it. I want it because I don't have another one. Okay. Um, Mine was because this morning it was really sweaty in my place and I was like, it's not burlesque unless you felt that bead of sweat travel from your bum crack (laughs) all the way down the back of your leg into your shoe underneath three layers of ball gown. Oh, yes, that is the worst. <laughs> Have you ever compared on stage and just stood in one spot left and there's just a puddle? <laughs> it, no. <laughs> well, I'm like, talking like a puddle like the size of a 20p piece, not like a puddle puddle, not like a fucking like lake. Potentially. One of my worst habits, I think, is looking down on stage. So unless I'm about to descend a flight of stairs, I'm like, eyes up, bitch. Eyes up. Eyes up. <laughs> Hi guys, hi, hi, I'm connecting, I'm connecting. I'm definitely not scared, I'm going to topple ours over, take down this staircase. (laughs) Engage the core, engage the core, engage the core. Oh my God. I love the sense of relief that you see when compares come down from a stage to the bottom of the stairs and you just see this wave of like, I didn't die. I made it. I made uh, it. That's why I invented the whole getting people to hold my hand walking down those death stairs at South Bank, which afforded me also some great bands. Wait, wait, it's not burlesque unless you assume that you're the only one with crippling anxiety. <laughs> no, you can't have that. That's too good. My my insults and burlesque. I'm now making an effort where I actually do them before the podcast because I, I, I want to show you that I care. Yeah. Uh, dear lovely listeners, we cannot wait to breathe our covid potential filled air from a safe non-toxic distance in a totally socially distanced and uh, secure hygienic environment with alcohol at you um on the 20th of august we have to do a safety notice that comes with it um you are not allowed to laugh uh laughing is uh, too dangerous so come and keep your mouth shut no funnies i don't care how hilarious we are you keep Go your on. mouth shut you keep your mouth shut Laugh into your elbow. (laughs) (laughs) Don't laugh. Don't even think about laughing. (laughs) If you feel your diaphragm start to shake, you hold that core strong and you suck it in. Like a Catholic church. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be like being in assembly at school. (laughs) 
Um, we love the feedback some of you gave us on merch and we're definitely going to look into that and see oh, if it's yeah. something we can get done in time. Please do send us lols. Uh, please keep an eye on our stories because we're starting to use that feature on the Ginsult podcast, Instagram, so much more. And we are going to be doing a lot more of that coming up to the live show. No, definitely. And we cannot wait to do this in public. Thank you so much for everyone who's supporting us and welcome new listeners. This is really, really exciting and fun. Um, and we really hope that well, I hope that ticket's available when we're still when we're doing this. We did not plan this marketing well at all. <laughs> We'd like to thank the two people who have bought tickets so far. If any of the rest of you would like to come and join us, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have two versions. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry that it's completely sold out. And that, oh, look, we've just dropped our tickets to 50% off. Who wants to come? <laughs> Uh, uh, anything else you want to plug uh, n- nothing new <laughs> <laughs> Patreon 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 trust me Patreon? it's Wells it's got Patreon Patreon <laughs> Oh, she good. Patreon, 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 Patreon. Sign up. If you hate it, you can cancel it. You can shift your tears around. You can do all kinds of exciting things. But uh, Betsy and I and our guests are working our tits off to make this a platform that's super lols for you. And also it's how we pay our bills. So thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, I've got an OnlyFans. Sign up if you want to see the uncensored versions of some images that I'll be releasing over the next week. And also some lols film where I just enjoy soya milk far too much far far too much um and as always a huge massive ridiculous wet sloppy thank you to the incredible rich newman who has been sticking with us it's newnham newnham oh my god (laughs) it's written on the screen i'm dyslexic oh fine play that card and make me feel bad (laughs) yeah dyslexic and now you know i was deaf as a child Ah. oh wow (laughs) don't you feel like shit now (laughs) (laughs) I want proof that's such an easy vehicle to make me feel bad (laughs) Um, no thank you Noonham Noonham I believe it's pronounced Noonham for dealing with us creating and editing these episodes and just turning up and being amazing we are so eternally grateful because we would just be still crying over the fact that i've never got good internet connection if this was left to us we we lolo would still be editing the first recording yeah yeah (laughs) and i say lolo because i've got no skills to do it so yeah but thank you rich we absolutely love you good work Good work. Gold star. Gold star. Thank you very much to Rosie Verbose for the excellent jingle that I hope you've all learned by heart so we can sit. Oh, we can't sing along. We can, you can, you can lip sync to at the live (laughs) recording because you won't be allowed to sing along to it. Um, Please go and check out Invisible Cabaret online and, and in the world when that's allowed to be a thing. Thank you so much to them for that excellent piece of writing. Yeah. And also thank you to you. Amazing, incredible listeners who have been liking and subscribing and following us like oh my god thank you so much for like sharing our podcast the response we've had over the last like month has been absolutely incredible so thank you so much it's so amazing amazing to get involved with you guys we're so excited um so thank you um i think that's it so on that sloppy note we'll see you next tuesday next tuesday So you want to be a showgirl, a star of cabaret.
and in your day Well here's two artists who miss burlesque gigs Performing and acting moronic People who, when life gives them lemons Just slice them up for a gin and tonic They put the mock in mocktail, the cock in cocktail Let them show you how It's gin salt with tempest rose and low Quick thing, sorry, um, to drop what what we'd be doing if we weren't doing burlesque. Yes, is yes. that what you were gonna say? I was, I was writing it down. No, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, Rich, we love you, but we only got sorry. fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bye. <laughs> oh my god, Jinsol, when we just ignore Rich. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>